Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have one of the best known sports hosts in the country. He keeps you company during late nights at ESPN Radio, and he has some NBA Finals takes. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Thanks, Darlene. Okay, welcome to Buckets, Boards and Blocks. I'm Monica McNutt alongside my co-host King McClure. I feel like we haven't been together, what, for two weeks now? We're man, back. we haven't been together in a minute, man. Lots Good of things happening. Good things happening, though. All right, but today, <laughs> we are pumped about our guest. He is the one and only Freddie Coleman, the legendary ESPN radio voice and co-host of the Freddie and, Fr- uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, five nights a week on ESPN radio. Uh, Freddie, Mike, also, let me add, he's very fit as well. When I met Freddie in person last week, I said, oh, okay, okay, see the fitness. Welcome, Freddie. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to keep up, Monica, with you and King, because when you have two fit people like that, I can't come on here looking like a ragamuffin. So I got to do what I can to stay in your class. Let's put it that Listen, way. No ragamuffins around here. That suit on first take uh, didn't quite show the definition. Let me tell you, my man got his gains on lock in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> you are too kind, my friend. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I appreciate you being having me on here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. For sure, for sure. Freddie, so how, how was it working with Monica on uh, on first take? I'm very curious. I'll, King, I'll tell you what, I, I was looking forward to it because anytime you get a chance to appear on a show like that, that can really make your name and raise your name a little bit. It's always cool working with different people in addition to Stephen A, Molly and Max. So that first time I heard about that, having a chance to work with Monica, admiring her work from afar for more than a minute, I was really looking forward to it. And I knew I was gonna have a blast doing it. It was so much fun just hanging out with her, talking with her, chatting with her as well. So anytime you get a chance to work with Monica and to work with you, no matter what format that is, especially when you two are gonna be leading the next wave when it comes to podcasting like this, also on ESPN, that's always a treat for me because I'm always willing to learn from somebody where, oh, I didn't think about that. So it was really cool having that kind of perspective from her, feeling that perspective and making that work on first take. Let me just say that this man got to be one of the most genuine souls at ESPN. Like constantly pouring life and positivity into so many people, um, myself included. We obviously had an opportunity to chat post-show, pre-show, in preparation. Um, And it was a blast working with Freddie. Like I knew your name, but I had not met you. A handful of people at different points, Freddie, are like, yeah, Freddie holds it down at night. Like, the company loves him. Like, he's a legend. Like, multiple folks. So when I finally worked with you, I was like, oh, he ain't just no radio guy. Like, Freddie, for for real, can do it all. (laughs) You know what that is? That means I'm old. That's exactly what that means. (laughs) I'm versatile in season instead of OLD. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that better, yeah. Instead of like Morton Salt, it's Lowry Salt. So I like that a lot better from what you there just said. There it is. Said. I like there that a lot better. All right, so let's get into, let's go NBA Finals because we are recording this pod on Thursday morning after game four. The Bucks have now tied this thing up. I will say going into game four, I thought Phoenix was going to pull it out. And for what? Uh, until the 445 mark? It looked like that was going to happen. Freddie, what's your take on this series as it goes back to Phoenix on Saturday? Monica and King, I thought the same thing because I'm so glad to be wrong. I thought Phoenix would win game four, but I wanted the Bucks to win to give us at least a six-game series. Not because I have Phoenix winning in six. When I make a prediction, I don't care what happens. I just want to see something compelling. And it wasn't great, great basketball, but it was compelling basketball because you have what Devin Booker was able to do through three quarters where they could not stop him, especially in the third quarter where he goes seven to seven from the field. He was making what I call those those um, carnival shots that when you make yeah. those shots, you get the stuff out of the carnival. Those are the kind of shots he was making in the third quarter, no matter what the Milwaukee Bucks defense was doing. But then when you have those kind of series changing plays and what we saw from Giannis with that block on DeAndre Ayton, where that game could have been tied at 101, you go into the final 60 minutes, 60 seconds, excuse me, 90 seconds, you don't know what's going to happen because Phoenix would have been uplifted. There might have been a foul called on that play. You get a three-point play and all of a sudden you could ride that momentum and maybe take a 3-1 series lead. By the fact that Giannis made that play and then they get a bucket at the other end and Chris Middleton, what he's been able to do all playoffs, where two things can be true here. You can have your best player not be your best player in the clutch. And both of those things are true, in my opinion, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is their best player, almost having a triple-double last night. Anytime Monica and King, they needed to have it, and we've seen in the playoffs this year, it's been Chris Middleton. It was Chris Middleton in game one versus the Miami Heat. It was Chris Middleton in game five and game six of Eastern Conference Finals. And it was Chris Middleton last night, and Giannis knew it. So you can have those things be the same, where you have your best player, but he's not your best player in the clutch. Chris Middleton is their closer, even though Giannis is their best player. Mm, I think that's a very interesting point. Because normally when you look at, like, best players, they're always your closer. Like, like when you look at, like, Kobe, you look at even LeBron at times. I mean, those are your closers. So when, when is the last time that we've had a, you know, a superstar not be a closer? Uh, King, the Utah Jazz. You go back to the Utah Jazz's mm -hmm. run when they got to the first time at the NBA Finals. The guy that made the game-winning shot against the Houston Rockets was John Stockton. It was not Carl Malone. And throughout that whole season, anytime they needed a bucket to be made, it was John Stockton who was able to make that little mid-range or make that three-point shot or get those paint touches to get into the lane. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw Chris Middleton doing what he's been able to do, where you can say, who's the Batman, who's the Robin? Well, in that situation, he's the Batman. But I saw that before King and Monica when John Stockton was doing that the first time the Utah Jazz got to the playoffs. And King, you're exactly right. You want your Batman to be your best player. You want your Batman to be Kobe. You want your Batman to be Michael Jordan. But also remember this. When the Los Angeles Lakers had that run, it was Kobe making those shots down the stretch in the series against the Indiana Pacers. When the Pacers thought they were going to tie the series at two and uh, make the tie to take a 3-2 series lead. And Kobe went off in the fourth quarter and in overtime. And I'll never forget, he's making shots and the Pacers fans are giving him, he's doing like the whole settle down, settle down, I got this. So on a different kind of level, we saw Kobe emerging as a Rob, as a Batman, even though he was the Robin to Shaquille O'Neal when they had that series against the Indiana Pacers. So Freddie, hold on, wait, wait, one more question, Monica. So Freddie, <laughs> do, do you think that this is a scenario, because me and Monica talked about this, you know, we talked about giving people the, the label of superstar, right? A little too early, okay. So you think this is a scenario where we should maybe take 
the superstar name away from Giannis or put more respect on Chris Middleton's name? You put more respect on Chris Middleton's name because Giannis is a superstar. When you go back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals, I know they lost game two, but look what he did in game three. We've seen Giannis have those superstar moments. We saw Giannis have a superstar moment last night on defense, keeping DeAndre Ayton from getting that dunk and turning the series more in the Phoenix's favor. So you can have that superstar label attached to Giannis onto the Kumpa. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But anytime you do that, because we always have these outsized expectations, mainly because we want to compare superstars now to superstars of the past. And as far as I'm concerned, that's not fair to them. That's why I never compare errors. Everybody was trying to do that King and Monica last night was Giannis's block against DeAndre Ayton better than LeBron's chase down block of Andre Iguodala. And I said, number one, it wasn't that long ago. Number two, how about leave both alone? Because superstars can make superstar plays. I know we love to do the whole comparison thing and what's better. Sometimes great is just great and you just leave great alone. So you can have Giannis be a superstar player and have Chris Middleton be the kind of guy that can say, I can be in that orbit, do superstar things, even though I'm not the main superstar on this basketball team. Okay, so let's spin it forward, Freddie. We've got three games left in this series. Two organizations that will, well, one will have their first title if they win. The other will be back since, for the first time since 1974. Two superstars, if I may, King, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Paul on the other side, future Hall of Famer. I mean, Devin Booker's also in that superstar category. Guys are going to get rings. Mm-hmm. I have found in this series, the whistle obviously has favored the home team. And that just oh, kind of is what it is. I'm not making an excuse one way or another in that regard. I do think the only thing that I got right about my prediction is that game four was finally the game that had me thinking this series will require seven anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. You said, you don't root for your, I very much root for my prediction so that I can be right. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought Phoenix was going to win last night. (laughs) Um, But I guess literally I'm preparing for sports center later today. And they're like, well, what are the adjustments moving forward? And I'm like, well, first of all, Phoenix can't have 17 turnovers. That's the, that's the first thing. And then I don't know, I haven't read anything, but is Chris Paul healthy? Monty said he was in the post game behind game four. Okay. Well, he's got to play better straight up. Um, but I think there's little details in there. But at this point, you've got two very good teams that know one another. And so you're going to be in for some nasty basketball at points. Um, and hopefully we see less turnovers is where I'm at. Yeah, I, Monica, I'm with you on that one because I tell people all the time when people try to compare college coach and NBA coaches, I would always say until college coach have to pay, play a series, you really have to understand how you have to design plays where they know what you're going to do, but you got to do it a different way. For example, when they run a little alley play where they give the ball screen to Devin Booker, they were able to run a little bit off the elbow to give him a little bit more room. And once he got going in the third quarter, they kept running that play, what they call the Kobe play, off the elbow. You give him the dribble handoff, Aiden sets that little screen, and then he comes around the screen. If you're underneath it, he hits that jumper. If you trail him, he gets those paint touches. So we know what Milwaukee's going to do. They're going to get Giannis the ball in the middle, but also they're going to do a better job of screening for him to get people off of him. It's how you design those plays that they know are going to be coming because how many times we've seen last night where Phoenix would hit the elbow and the Bucks even turn around, elbows coming, elbows coming. They know what you're going to do. But how can you do it in a different way? How can you disguise it, to use a football term? How can you disguise your coverage on defense? How can you disguise your plays on offense to know that it is coming, but we got to do it a different way to give you something to think about? Monica and King, you guys are exactly right in terms of they know what each other's going to do, and they know that they know. 
but how can you still execute those plays and not worry about, okay, we trust our stuff. And I thought for a while the last night, Monica and King, that Phoenix didn't trust the ball screen and not the coaches, but Chris Paul. Because how many times do we see him be an assassin off that ball screen? I thought last night he was trying to get too many other guys involved. The best way to get guys involved, Chris Paul, is to do you. And we didn't, when he's been able to do that, it's worked out for Phoenix. Because we saw Giannis and Chris Middleton do that. They trust that we're going to do ourselves. We're going to worry about what we can do and not worry about what they're doing. And then Chris Middleton with nuclear in the fourth quarter. The same with the Devin Booker with nuclear in the third quarter. So you can design plays and do little tweaks here and there, but you're going to trust your stuff that you're going to run. And as a player, you have to do the same thing, whether you're Chris Paul or whether you're a young guy, no matter what side you're playing on. I do think the one little wrinkle, though, by comparison is I don't know that Chris Paul had his own stuff to trust. You know what I mean? Like he was exactly yesterday. And so it seemed like, let me get the ball to somebody else that has some more energy and seems to have their legs about them, which begs the question, listen, Watching Drew Holiday shoot the ball gave me a headache. Lord God, help him. But (laughs) defensively, he stays on the floor. Is it one plus one in terms of Chris Paul looking absolutely worn down and not like himself because of the pressure that Holiday is creating? He did have seven assists. Um, God, the over-under was seven and a half. I took the under. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Holiday, where where is his role in this? Well, I don't know about so much about wearing him down, but I think he's making him think and really picking him up early. I think that's more of a case of they're not allowing Chris Paul to get into the rhythm of the offense early because the first three games, really the first two and a half games, he was able to get the ball to half court and not worry about anything. Drew Holiday or even sometimes P.J. Tucker, they're picking him up early. So they're bothering him a lot earlier in the shot clock more than anything else. If you want to say that's a wearing down scenario, then I'll buy that. But in terms of Chris Paul being worn down, Chris Paul's logged some minutes and he doesn't mind logging those minutes because unlike in the regular season, you're getting more rest. They play game three on Sunday, game four on Wednesday, game five is on Saturday. So you have plenty of time to get your mind and your body right, especially when you played 16 years in the NBA. I'm going to trust the fact that Milwaukee has been able to pick him up just a little bit earlier and not allow him to be comfortable because I wonder if they were going to do that. I wonder how uncomfortable would they make the Phoenix Suns because King and Monica in game one and game two, it was an easy 118. You had your feet up. You're playing canasta. You got the pink lemonade with a little sweet tea on the side. That's how it was for Phoenix in game one and game two. Game three and game four, the alarm clock over at five o'clock. You hit the snooze button a couple of times. You're completely <laughs> uncomfortable when you're trying to play offense with Phoenix. Milwaukee did a better job, in my opinion, of making them uncomfortable, not allowing them to get into their offense a bit early. Because when Phoenix got into their early offense, Milwaukee couldn't stop them. When they were not able to do that, then Milwaukee was able to level them off just a little bit and make it a very tougher offensive set for Phoenix to get into. Hmm. Freddie and Monica, correct me if I'm wrong. I might be tripping right here. But I thought at one point or another, the finals went 2-3-2 instead of 2-2-1-1-1. So was it not 2-3-2 anymore? No, they, they changed that a little bit ago because I, I love the 2-3-2 format when you have yeah. a team that's so far east and so far west. So if they had done that this time, King, I would not have minded that. But I don't mind the 2-2-1-1-1 scenario because now you get a chance to have a little back and forth, back and forth and make the adjustment. I think a lot of players like the fact that they're creatures of habit. They don't mind two games at home than two games in a row. But then three in a row, it felt like more of a road trip than anything else. And I wonder if that's why the NBA decided to change that and go back to two, two, one, one, and one. Speaking of that, where are you at, King? Are the home teams 
protect home court in this series? I actually thought it was, I was with you, Freddie, that it was going to end in six and that Phoenix still stole this one tonight. I think the Bucks were going to find a way to still win in Phoenix and Phoenix was going to close it out on the road. That was my logic. I, that is on his head now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I'm, I'm the underdog. I'm taking the Bucks. I are think you? the Bucks are going to win. I hope the, the Suns win just for Monty and everything he went through. Um, I really want to see him do well and Chris Paul too, but I, I'm taking the Bucks. I just yeah. think like the toughness and the grit that they play with is going to translate. And I mean, Chris Paul has to play better. Like last night was just super uncharacteristic, but they barely won that game with Chris Paul playing the way he played. So, so I mean, if I had to, I'd probably say that the Suns will win, but I got to go with the Bucks. I want to take the underdog. So Vinny Goodwill, who uh, we need to have on the pod as well, um, had a great piece in Yahoo on Thursday morning. And he, he he wrote about the perspective in terms of the Bucks being a little bit battle-tested. And he's got this great line in the piece where he says, matter of fact, I screenshotted it and I posted it on Twitter because it was such a great line. Um, it says, uh, it was the kind of game the Suns have won all season, the type of night the Bucks were prone to lose over the last few seasons. But as they seem to illustrate in the last two rounds, there's been some painful growth in this oddly executed season and ability to win games when not playing at peak efficiency on offense. Booker tore them up, but they didn't overreact and allow Jay Crowder and Aiton to feast inside. So like, I hear you now when you say the grit of it, that just gave me such a great perspective. It's funny that line between like grit and inconsistency, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Because the Bucks have been maddening. And even at points yesterday, Giannis, you have been 25 of 26 in the restricted area, 13 of 13 in the last game. Why are you shooting threes? No one is going for that. Like, what are you doing? But then ultimately we get into the clutch period of the ball game and they find a way to win. So I hear you on that, King. I'm still rolling Phoenix too. But last night, like I heard Legler and um Green joking today on Get Up that Cliff Paul showed up instead of Chris Paul. <laughs> he, he, yeah, because he, he needed Jake from State Farm because he right. needed to ensure his hands a lot better. There's no doubt about that. Right. And it wasn't the fact that Chris Paul had five turnovers. It's when he had them and how mm -hmm. it happened from that standpoint. But I've also been a big believer because Devin Booker proved that to me after game three. When you're a great player, you have convenient amnesia. Devin Booker after game three, and they said, you didn't play well. He goes, I'll be all right. And he was more than all right with 42 points and 17 to 28 from the field yeah. in game four. I'm trusting that Chris Paul is going to be all right, that he's not going to have those kind of turnovers because he yeah. won't do too much like we're able to see in game four. But the point is raised by goodwill in terms of overcoming adversity because Milwaukee's had a lot to overcome. Many people did not think they were going to win against the Brooklyn Nets when they were down 3-2 in that series. They find a way to win game six and game seven. Although Kevin Durant's shoe size was 17 instead of 18. We're about maybe King McClure, Monica McNutt being the new head coach of Milwaukee Bucks because Mike <laughs> Grudenholz wouldn't have been here and there anymore. But then they lose Giannis onto the Kumpo and people are liking the Atlanta Hawks chances. And they go out there and they win game five and then game six and close out the Atlanta Hawks on the road. So the fact that their maturity has been a lot better, that they have not folded. Because remember, it's two years ago, this Bucks team, they're up 2 nothing on the Toronto Raptors. Everybody's saying, oh, they're getting back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1974. And then they completely collapsed. And a lot of that blame fell at the feet of Giannis and also at Mike Budenholz's feet. They have not backed down from any challenge that has happened so far in this series. They have Giannis having off the hook game in game two and people saying, you're going to lose one of these two games in Milwaukee. Well, it didn't happen. They're down by nine points in the fourth quarter. People are thinking, okay, this is when the Bucks fall apart, and they didn't do that either. So they've been able to overcome a lot of adversity that served them well in game four last night. 
Now, if you're Phoenix, when you're used to being that lead dog, the only time they faced any adversity this year in the playoffs was when they were down 2-1 to the Los Angeles Lakers. Then Anthony Davis gets injured, and they're able to run away and hide from the Lakers when Anthony Davis tried to get healthy. After that, they sweep Denver in four. It was a 2-2 series with the Clippers, but without Kawhi Leonard, you never had that sense that the Clippers were going to beat them. Especially when it's 3-1, you never had that sense. But now, we're going to find out a lot about the Phoenix Suns handling an even series best two out of three you go home in game five and all of a sudden that game is so pivotal because i believe the winner of game five is going to win the series mm. freddie you, you touched on it a little bit me and monica have this argument a lot and if the phoenix suns win this championship would it be considered almost the luckiest championship <gasps> in the history of championship like just think about all the things that had to go wrong for them to win like ad getting hurt Okay, then no Jamal Murray in the second round. Then Kawhi Leonard tears his ACL in the third round. So is this the most luckiest championship that in the history when you think back of all the championships? You can apply that term king to that, but I'm not going to blame the Phoenix Suns for what happened to other people because we know what the narrative would sound like if they didn't win. Well, you couldn't beat that team when Anthony Davis yeah, injured. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. beat Denver without Jamal Murray. So that's not to say it's not a valid point in terms of saying, man, they've had the kind of path that a lot of teams would like to have. But I'm not going to blame a team for taking advantage of that path and yeah. not winning an NBA championship or competing for an NBA championship run. And you two both know this. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to win, not just a playoff series or have a playoff run. It's hard to win a playoff game in the yeah. NBA. It is extremely hard to win a championship when you got to be a team four times in a seven game span and then you got to do it again. Then you got to do it again. And then you got to do it again. So if Anthony Davis getting injured, I'm not going to put that on Phoenix. Jamal Murray not being there, that's a them problem. That wasn't a Phoenix problem. So if they win the championship, you can attach that word lucky, but you also have to attach the second word after that, champion. They're not going to look back at the history book and say, man, that Phoenix team in 2021, whoo, they had that rabbit's foot, man. I don't know. Yeah. They're going to say who won the NBA championship in 2020, 2021, and it's going to say either the Phoenix Suns or the Milwaukee Bucks, however that's going to be. Now, funny enough, as we prepped for our show on ESPN Radio for game four, we were looking into the history books, and there's only one team to come back from 3-1 in the finals, right? We all know that's LeBron against the Warriors. Right. The, my colleagues, as we prepare for the show, still point out that Draymond got suspended. It was not available. Mm -hmm. However, is, is that LeBron's fault? No. LeBron's fault. Well, it technically it is, because LeBron was <laughs> able to sell the NBA on that, and believe me, you can't bring that up, Monica and King, to my mom, Maddie Coleman. She is still bent at LeBron in the NBA for allowing that to happen. Now, to be fair, if you're Golden State, you're up 3-1, two of those three games at home, find a way to close it out. I know Draymond not being there to kind of turn the tide of the series, but you still had a 3-1 lead in the series. Find a way to win at least one more game. So I give Cleveland a lot of credit that the situation happened. They took advantage of it, and they made it work for them. Because, Monica, you're right. We think more about the LeBron chase down block in game seven and winning three in a row to being down three to one. A lot of that Draymond Green, the LeBron James situation has been completely forgotten in the history books because we say Cleveland won the championship, not how it was accomplished by not having Draymond Green there in game five. Hmm. That's real. So let's take it back to last night real quick because I got a quick question. Uh -huh. So last night, okay, Freddie, Monica, I want to hear your opinion on this. Last night, we see this no call from Devin Booker. Oh my God. Is that a case of it's the playoffs, play through it? Or is that a case of this is a superstar, we can't let him get on the bench in the last three minutes of the game? Which one is it? I, Monica, I'll go first on this one. I said, you know you're a superstar when 
I mean, I would love to say that the referees completely missed the call because he fouled Drew Holiday twice. He yeah. fouled him on the shoulder and he fouled him on the arm. And yeah. even I wonder Devin Booker forgot that he had five fouls. I want to completely about that because yeah, he had to it because just the way he you can go after a guy and put your arm straight up and everything. He literally tried to stop Drew Holiday from making that basket. Yeah. And I said, I wonder if he forgot that he had five fouls. <laughs> and the referee looked right at it and didn't open his mouth, didn't blow his whistle. I wonder how much of that was that man. Devin Booker's been white hot. I don't want to be the guy to foul him out. And then you put in the pool report that you believe he got all ball. Come on. If you're going to lie to me, come with a better lie. Seriously. If you're going to lie to me in a pool report as an NBA official telling the AP, then come with a better lie. Come with a story that I can look at and say, that'd make a good reality show story. Don't come up with that where you had all that time to plan it. That was the best plan and the best line you could come up with that looked like a block and I thought he got all ball. Come on now. I was born tonight, but we weren't born the last night. Come on now. <laughs> The truth is probably I was enjoying the basketball game and forgot my role as an official. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe can't put that in the pool report. Maybe you know. I mean, we we they're human beings. That game was so white hot. The way it was it was a compel. It felt like a game seven. It really did last night. It had that feel, especially in the fourth quarter, because both teams knew if Phoenix won that game, this series is over Saturday night, and Milwaukee knew it as well. It had kind of a game seven feel to it, King and Monica that made it even more compelling that each play was magnified. The foul not called on Devin Booker, the block by Giannis Antetokounmpo, what Chris Middleton was able to do. Then De the P.J. Tucker went creating co constant offensive chances. Pat Connaughton in that three-point shot when he was having too many Joe Harris moments early in that game, Woo! and then he finally knocked down the three. It, it became a game seven type atmosphere because so much was at stake instead of having a 3-1 series about to be over. Now we got a 2-2 series, and anything can happen, and anything's possible. All right, so I think lost in all of this as we assess game four, DeAndre Ayton had 17 rebounds. Mm -hmm. Six points right. with 17 rebounds. Um, I think that the Sarge injury is, is a bigger deal than maybe we thought initially. Played 39 minutes last night. Sarge, statistically, at the height of his playing time, was 12 minutes, but in a physical contest where DeAndre is often the primary defender on Giannis, that 10 minutes, 12 minutes of rest, I think, is adding up. I do think that Phoenix needs to do a better job of looking for him. And sometimes, while Devin was hot, the ball started to stick a little bit to me. Yeah. They have a way of moving the ball beautifully. And credit to Milwaukee's defense. They did a good job of staying connected. But when Phoenix is whipping that ball around and executing, right. it almost always ends in a good look for somebody. And so I think that would be something that I would look to see if they get back to when they get back to Phoenix. But... I have really enjoyed the emergence of DeAndre Ayton. The finals and Giannis obviously is the tallest task that he's faced so far. Um, and I knew that he would respond tonight on the glass because it was sure. such an issue in game three or in game four, he would respond because it was an issue in game three. But I'm just, I'm really concerned about the fatigue thing. And you should be, you know why? Because when you got him defending Giannis and pounding up against Brooke Lopez as well, when they get caught in switches and, I thought Phoenix, when they went small, brought Cam Johnson at that. That ball moved around a lot better from that standpoint because people saying, well, if Frank Kaminsky can't do the job, what are they going to do? I said, well, go small Cam Johnson. You still have enough mm -hmm. tall guys on the perimeter. And also now you spread the floor a little bit more where your big man has to go out and get Cam Johnson. That's why we saw Brooke Lopez only play 19 minutes last night because when they went small, Brooke couldn't guard Jay Crowder, who was knocking out threes early, and you don't want him on Camp Johnson because then he gets to the rim, and that's going to be the end of your defense. So I thought they did a really good job when they went small and not try to bring Frank Kaminsky and that the ball moved around a lot better. And they're going to go to their pet place, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that small line just a little bit more because you don't have to worry about a post-up guy other than Giannis. 
if you are the Phoenix Suns. And if they put Giannis in the post, which I'm surprised Milwaukee didn't do more last night because it worked so well in the game three. It was like Mike Budenholzer said, I'm going to win this way. We can win this way. Why not go back to what worked where they had Middleton feeding him in the post and Phoenix mm-hmm. could stop him in a low block and sometimes it would invert the offense and have Giannis feed Middleton when he got a smaller guard on him. And that worked in game three. I'm really surprised Milwaukee went away from that in game four when it was so effective. But if Phoenix goes small a little bit as well, they can handle that where they can do a little bit of a double and they have enough perimeter speed to get back out on shooters. And the way that Drew Holiday and Pat Connaughton are not making shots, you dare those guys to beat you from deep. You don't have Chris Middleton do it. You say, hey, Drew Holiday, we know you've been good defensively. you got to start making threes. And if you don't, then we're going to trust that you won't be able to do that if we go small and trust our defensive coverages to rotate quickly and collapse and also contest shots that are going to be there for the perimeter for the Milwaukee Bucks. I like the way you think, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Very thorough. Love the way, love, love the basketball. Now you sound like you should be on that sideline coaching somebody. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, no, no. Mm-mm. I see what coaches have gone through. I see what you guys went through playing college basketball. I want no part of that smoke. Nope, nope, nope. I'd rather be 100, 0 and 0 right here instead of worry about wins and losses. Uh uh-uh. uh. Not the kid. No way. Cushy seat, I might add. It never gets hot. <laughs> Freddie, I got a question separate from basketball. Okay, look, your boy's about to start his radio career. Uh I know you're a radio legend. What advice can you give to a young man that's about to jump into radio? Be you, King. And I told this, and Monica told you this as well. Don't worry about trying to be the second somebody else because it's very easy for people to get in your head and say, hey, King, you need to be the second blank. Or, hey, Monica, you need to be the second blank. Well, if you if somebody asks you that, then they don't trust that you can't that you can do the job. They know you can do it. That's why you have the position that you're going to be in. You worry about being King McClure and being the best King McClure you can be. You worry about being Monica McNutt, being the best Monica McNutt you can be, because it can be very easy to have those kind of voices get in your head. And then where do you begin and where does that end? And then everything just sounds jumbled in your head. You trust your instincts. You trust your knowledge and you trust the fact that you're going to have fun doing it, but don't be afraid to be you. Always put your best you forward. It can be very easy to be inspired by somebody because there are plenty of people in this business that I've been inspired by for a long, long time. But when it comes right down to it, they inspire me by being them, not about trying to be somebody else. So you put the best King McClure forward, like Monica puts the best Monica McNutt forward, and everything is going to flow and everything's going to take care of itself. I'm so proud of you. That was a great question. <laughs> hey, I just want to be the best I can be. Right, exactly. Because why would you do something? I'll never forget a long time ago, Monica and King, I was working at a radio station in Poughkeepsie, New York, and we had a staff meeting and the program director asked, what do you want out of your show? And one of our radio personalities said, well, I, I don't want to suck when I go out there. And I looked at it, I said, what do you mean you don't want to suck? Of course you don't want to suck. That's not telling me anything. You should go out there and say, I want world domination. I want to break people's arms. I want to pull people's eyeballs out of their sockets to be the best I can be. I don't want to just go out there and hope to be average or hope to be better than average. No one should want that because the best people always want to be at the top of their game. And even if they're not on, on one particular day, they know they can overcome that the next day. If you just want to be average, then what, what are you going to put out? An average product. If you're hoping not to stink, then what are you going to put out? A product that you hope not to stink. Why would you want to be that, especially more than ever before, when you got so many different avenues to get yourself out there and so does everybody else? I don't go in the air every night, King of Monica, to go out there hoping not to stink or hoping not to suck. I go out there and say, you give me the 100. 
And whatever that's going to be on a night-by-night -night basis, even I don't know, but you're always going to get 100 from me. You bring that attitude to the table more than anything else is going to serve you a lot better than you could ever imagine. Love that. Um, our producer is chiming in in the chat. Get yourself a great producer. Shout out to producer Bruce. That's true. And, That's very true. Um, we're asking for some total. Uh, this number is going to be crazy. Yeah. How many hours of radio have you done over the years, Freddie? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. Uh, because I started my radio career in 1988 in Portland, Maine. Wow. I would say a sum total has to be probably north of maybe 300,000 hours. I would say, I was say so, so we're not calculating this in years. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's let, let, let you know, let, 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 let the old dog have the years thing when it comes to me and everything like that. But I would have to say like north of three, because I've worked in so many different formats, whether it's been top 40, classic rock, also soul music and also sports talk radio. So, I've logged a lot of hours, but I've been very blessed to have the opportunity to do whatever that has been over my career. How, okay, wait a minute. Because now, okay, mm -hmm. it's 356 days in a year. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. And that's times 24. Mm -hmm. 8,500, hours in a year. Okay. So if you've done, you said 300,000? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. Divided by. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Let me get my pen out. <laughs> <laughs> Eight thousand five hundred fifty. Let's see. <clears throat> now I'm putting this in the calculator. I had to write it out because I couldn't see it. Zero 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 divided by. Do I do division? I think so. Eight thousand five hundred fifty <laughs> is approximately thirty-five years. Thirty-five. Yeah, mm -hmm. thirty-five years worth yeah. of radio time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An That's hour. Good, that was a good guess by me, I guess. See. <laughs> that was a good guess. <laughs> Uh, Freddie, this conversation has been fantastic. This is how we wrap things up here on Bucket Boards and Blocks. Wait, King, what's our what is should our topic be though? The finals? Mm, I mean, we could go find. I feel like that's that's super, you know, like obvious, like relevant. But I mean, let's do something that nobody else expects us to do. So also, so give it, so come up with it. <laughs> I was hoping that was when you were going to chime in and be like, yeah, you're right, King. <laughs> no, I asked you for a reason. Uh, Bruce says the uh, NBA in general. Is that too broad? I no. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. We can do the NBA in general. All right, NBA yeah. in general, Freddie Coleman. Buckets, Board, and Blocks, the name of our podcast. And so now, using the umbrella of the NBA in general, you can spin it to the final specifically if you'd like. You can pick one or you can give us all three of these. Okay. A bucket is the A-plus thing. Give me more of this. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. A board is like a rebound. Didn't look so great initially, but has some silver lining to it. Redeeming quality. Mm -hmm. And the block is the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag. No, no, no. Get this thing out of here. So you can pick one or you can give us all three, but your umbrella is the NBA this year. Okay. I'm going to give it a block to all those that kept saying that the NBA, that it, it's too woke for its own good. Ooh. No, Here's the deal with that. Everybody talked about NBA declining numbers, whether it's on ESPN or ABC, TNT. Other than the NFL and college football, all sports have declining numbers. So I'm tired of hearing that narrative because I know where it's coming from, being attached to the NBA. Everybody always talks about, you know, keep politics out of sports or keep sports out mm -hmm. of politics. But they always say that when they're not trying to further an agenda. We know exactly where this is coming from. The NBA is in a better spot because we don't hear this about Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball has been declining for decades compared mm -hmm. to the NBA. 
people could not stand the fact that there were so many great people and so many great products regarding the NBA that they had to find a way to politicize it and knock it down. So when you try to say that the NBA is about to fall into the ocean because it's too woke for its own good, that's a bunch of BS. I'm tired of hearing that. So I'm giving a complete Dikembe finger wag to all those clowns out there. We know the NBA is not going to be the way that it used to be. But then again, NFL ratings aren't the way they used to be. College football ratings aren't the way they used to be. NHL ratings, Major League Baseball ratings, those ratings have not been there because people don't people fail to realize people consume product a lot different than ever before. Definitely. There are plenty of people that are watching the NBA when they're watching through social media or they're watching through YouTube TV. No one watches TV the same way anymore because if that was the case, then nobody would be watching Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. So I'm really, King and Monica, tired of that narrative when it comes to the NBA that they're no, no longer the NBA because they're too woke. That's a bunch of nonsense. I'm tired of hearing it because it's completely not true. It's completely fabricated. And that nonsense needs to stop sooner than later. Love Amen. That. So you're dropping the mic on your block? That's the one? That's right, the one. We got we to gotta drop the it mic on that. We, we got to end it on that. Preach. There we go. <laughs> it was excellent. Well, Freddie Coleman. Late night ESPN radio host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons five nights a week. One of the hardest working, most genuine souls in the game. Thanks for pulling up the buckets, boards, and blocks, my friend. My pleasure, Monica and King. And keep doing your thing because you guys got something special here. And remember that, how special it is because it's because of the people that are working in front of the microphones and behind the microphones. And I really appreciate you having me on. And you guys take care. For sure. That was dope. <laughs> Thank you to our guy, our main man, uh, the voice of late night ESPN radio and a dope voice of encouragement around these ESPN and media hustling parts. Our guy, Freddie Coleman, tremendous guest this week. Check out Freddie and Fitzsimmons as they burn the midnight oil five nights a week on ESPN radio. Thanks also to our super producer, Bruce Bernstein, and a big thank you to our terrific editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show features Mike and Bruce talking NBA Finals and Bruce's admiration for Emily from the YouTube TV commercial. <laughs> okay, sure. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron features Amin Hassan of the Dan Levitard Show and Sirius XM slash NBA Radio. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday, and King McClure and myself are back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Okay, we say this every week, but please, 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 please keep your guard up and get the vaccination. I, re I repeat, please get the shot. The COVID virus is making a comeback in large areas of the country and getting vaccinated is more important than ever. Vaccinated people do not need masks anymore. So get the shot and lose the mask. If you like Buckets, Boys and Blocks, please subscribe, rate us, review us, and leave a five-star rating if you would like. It would mean a lot, I promise. Until we meet again, are you ready, Miss Hoya Destroyer? Shout out to my shirt, I am. Here it comes. <laughs> Enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.